0: Hey everyone, Larry Bailey here for Ridge Lending Group, bringing you your weekly newsletter. Today is February 6th, 2023. We're going to be going over the week of January 30th, 2023 in review. As a reminder, if you have any questions at all about lending products, what's going on in the marketplace, and you want to talk to Chailey or you want to talk to one of their awesome dedicated lending specialists, call 855-74-RIDGE or email to info at or you can just go on the website at ridgelenninggroup.com and start an application right away. Uh, also, make sure you come to each Tuesday uh, at uh, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's when Chaley is calling all investors live with Chaley. She takes at least a half an hour, sometimes even much, much longer to go over current issues, current events, and uh, answer your questions. And I think uh, this week's episode with uh, Calling All Investors Live with Charlie is all about breaking down the simulator for the all-in-one products, so don't miss out. As a reminder, before we get going, this information is brought to you by MBS Highway, your trusted source for mortgage market intelligence. If you don't have a subscription, uh, you need to get one. If you want to know what's going on with the market, go ahead and get over to mbshighway.com and check it out. So here we go. For the week of January 30, 2023, the Fed hiked its benchmark Fed funds rate while there's more to January's job data than headline suggests, plus find out what the latest news on home prices, home price appreciation really means, all ahead in these stories. So the first story is, are more Fed rate hikes ahead this year? Next story is, Job January job growth not as strong as it appears. Next story is, private payrolls disappoint in January. Next story is jobless claims reflect tight labor market. And the last story to go through is talk of housing crash, not supported by the appreciation data. And you know it, there's a weekly hack in there today. I'll give you a hint on what it it uh, is all about. Starts with super and ends with bull. So we'll get there. Are more Fed rate hikes ahead this year? As expected, the Fed hiked its benchmark Fed funds rate by 25 basis points at its meeting last Wednesday. The Fed also now has hiked the Fed funds rate eight times since last March, bringing it to a total range of 45 and to quarters percent Remember, the Fed funds rate is an interest rate for overnight borrowing between banks and is not the same as mortgage rates. When the Fed hikes the Fed funds rate, they are trying to slow the economy and curb inflation. So basically, charging a higher interest rate maybe stops, stops people from spending so much money. We'll see. So what's the bottom line here? In the press conference following the meeting, Fed Chair Jerome Powell acknowledged that inflation has been declining, which he noted was encouraging. However, he said that the Fed has more work to do to ensure inflation is on a sustained downward path. Powell signaled that, quote, a couple, close quote, more hikes to the Fed funds rate would be appropriate within the next decision coming at their meeting on March 21 to March 22. So that's in about seven weeks from now. He emphasized that the Fed would continue to make their, quote, decisions meeting by meeting, taking into account the total of incoming data and their implications for the outlook of economic activity and inflation, close quote. I can tell you a lot of folks when they got this news out, it was really good stuff for the bond market. You can see here again in the live ticker, 48 basis points worse. That's uh, because we got more information today that we didn't have on Friday last week when the market closed. Next story is job January job growth, not as strong as it appears. So if you didn't catch this in the news, don't fret. Um, It was a big deal for a moment because when the job numbers came out, the the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS, reported that there were 517,000 jobs created in January, which was much stronger to say the least. They were only expecting like a hundred something thousand jobs and they came in at 500,000. So it was nuts. Um, Revisions to the data from November and December also added 71,000 jobs in those months combined. And this brought the unemployment rate down from three and a half percent to 3.4%, which is the lowest since 1969, also happened to be the same year that we landed on the moon. Go figure. So what's the bottom line here? Listen, these are two reports. uh, I'm sorry. There are always two reports within the jobs report that are a fundamental difference between them. We've talked about this before. Remember the first one is the business survey where the headline job number comes from and it's based predominantly on modeling and estimations. Now the second part, which is the household survey where the unemployment rate comes from is derived by calling literally calling households to see, Hey, you employed today. The household survey has its own job creation component and it showed that there were 894,000 new jobs created last month. Again, insane stuff. So while these job growth figures appear strong, it's really important to know that there were big adjustments to how the data was collected in January. Again, if you're on Facebook or even LinkedIn, all kinds of conspiracy theories around this. Uh, So there are new seasonal factors, new benchmarks, and new population estimates slash controls that were instated. If we remove these adjustments, the number of job creations in the household survey would have only been 84,000 versus the 894,000 that were reported. In addition, looking deeper at the face face value numbers, of the 894,000 job creations in the household survey, 606,000 were from part-time workers. This is not new. This is, we, we just wanna get a better sense of who's working, even if you're only working five or 10 hours a week. Now that doesn't mean you can afford your bills, but it's better than being unemployed. And I think that's maybe the overall goal. So considering the number of large layoffs that have been reported across the country, along with the revisions, New benchmarks and population adjustments made to the reporting by the BLS. The labor sector likely really isn't as strong as the January jobs report suggests. Again, we'll see. Next story is private payroll. Dis- private payrolls is disappointed January. So I've always felt weird about the ADP. If you're watching this uh, on video, uh, get on uh, you know on the community. You can see the, the image here. If you're not watching this on video. Uh, and you're uh, just listening to us on podcast. Head over to Ridge Lending Group community. Check out the video. You can uh, you can see it there, or um, I think it's on. Uh, yeah, actually, it's on. Place you can see. It. So we see that there's uh, private payrolls came in much lower than expected last month, as the ADP employment report showed that there were just 106,000 jobs created in January. The construction construction sector accounted for 24,000 jobs lost, which is un Uh, understandable given the slowdown we have seen among homebuilders. Small small businesses with under 50 employees were hardest hit, as they lost 75,000 jobs, while large firms with 500 or more employees posted 128,000 job gains. ADP also reported that annual pay for job stayers increased 7.3% year-over-year, which was unchanged from the previous report. Job changers saw an average increase of 15.4% up from 15.2. These two numbers have really relatively stayed the same um, since we've been talking about this. Everybody who stays is about seven-something percent, maybe eight in the highest month, and everybody who leaves to another company gets 15. I don't know. If I was employer, again, looking at these numbers, I'm saying, hey, listen, if you want to stay, if I really like you, I'll pay an extra 10 or 12% to keep you from switching. Um, I think this gap is too wide. And people still move. Like, if I can double my raise, why would I not double my raise? It's crazy. So what's the bottom line here from this information? Uh, Neela Richardson, the chief economist for ADP, said, quote, In January, we saw the impact of weather-related disruptions on employment during our reference week, close quote. ADP uses the week that includes the 12th to uh, collect payroll sampling data each month. They blame the extreme weather during that time frame in January, including the snow in the Midwest and the flooding in California, for the weaker-than-expected report. However, it was mild in other parts of the country, and there are supposed to be some, season, some seasonal adjustments reflected in the data, suggesting that weather was not the only contributing factor to the report. But my dog, who came up to say hi to me. So the jobless claims reflect tighter labor markets. The next story, and again, on, uh, on the image, we see our, our top three states, um, as usual, California, New York, and Texas. So the number of people filing for unemployment benefits for the first time declined for the third straight week as the initial claims dropped by 3,000 to 183,000. Continuing claims, which measure people who continue to receive benefits after their initial claim is filed, fell 11,000 to 1.655 million. What's the bottom line here? We're continuing to see a tight labor market where companies are doing their best to hold on to workers. However, continuing claims have risen nearly 300,000 over the last four months, which also suggests it's becoming harder for many to find a job as they are let go. It's a weird thing, you know, I'm in the finance industry where a lot of people are unemployed because the market's in a contraction. And what's strange to me is that Uh, folks are not willing or employers are not willing to allow for that crossover from industry to industry. And so I would always say that, you know, if you're one of the unemployed out there or have friends or family that are unemployed, figure out what your true skill sets are and see if there's other industries that you may not have even considered, but um, will support an opportunity. Um, Next uh, story is talk of housing crash, not supported by appreciation data. So the Case-Shiller Home Price Index came out, and of course that's considered to be the quote gold standard for appreciation. And it showed that home prices fell 0.6% from October to November, but they were 7.7% higher when compared to November of 2021. So this annual reading is a decline from 9.2% gain reported in October. So it went from 9.2% gain in October down to a loss of 0.6% from October to November. The uh, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, FHFA, also released their house price index, which revealed that home prices fell 0.1% from October to November. And while prices rose 8.2% from November 21 to November 22, this was a decline from the 9.8% annual increase reported in October. So again, we're seeing a decline, but it's still positive. So the uh, FHFA's report uh, measures home price appreciation on single-family homes with conforming loan amounts. But keep in mind, that conforming loan amount literally in some counties goes up to a million. We went over, last, I think, last week where some place in Wyoming was like a million dollars uh, for a conventional loan. Um, so things are getting kind of weird. Uh, but regardless, um, it means that, uh, you know, from this survey, it means most likely that it represents lower price homes. It also differs from the from Case-Shiller's uh, data in that it does not include cash buyers or jumbo jumbo loans. So again, if you're not financing anything, you're not going to get the FHFA. Um, whereas the Case-Shiller's data does include cash buyers and larger prices. So what's the bottom line here? Home prices have been softening nationwide, but S&P DJI managing director Craig J. Lazara noted that they were only down 3.6% from their peak last June. So from the highest crazy prices that we saw, we're only seeing a 3.6% softening. Um, this is a far cry from a housing crash of 20% that some in the media are predicting. It's not just the media, there's regular people doing it, saying that too. Um, in addition, how, uh, home prices in case Schiller's 10 city and 20 city index indices, that's a typo, it's not indexes, it's indices, are down 5% uh, from their peak in these major cities are declining a bit more than they are uh, in the nation overall. So prices in some of these locations were already a bit overheated and are now giving back some gains. When we're moving these cities, prices around the rest of the country are flatter uh, from peak overall. It's not in here, but I did watch, I did see some additional data that talks about uh, places like San Francisco are off um, in versus like the Northeast, which is fairly flat or slightly higher. So again, you gotta really know your markets. Um, If you're in real estate investing, you gotta know your markets. So here's the family hack for the week. Looking for a winning Super Bowl snack? Uh, These potato skin recipes from New York Times is worth cheering for. (laughs) Preheat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Rub four baking potatoes lightly with olive oil and bake on a foil lined baking sheet until skins are crisp and a fork can easily be inserted, which is approximately one hour usually. Transfer those potatoes to a wire rack and cool for 10 minutes to the touch. Assemble the top. these toppings um, while the potatoes are cooking. grate cheddar cheese into a small bowl until you have around two cups. Cook eight ounces of thick-cut bacon in a large skillet over medium heat until those are crisp. Transfer those to a plate. Chop, uh, chop in one-inch pieces of uh, bacon. Chop them into one-inch pieces once they cool. Thinly slice one bunch of scallions. Cut each potato into quarters lengthwise, create four wedges. Scoop out the cooked potato, leaving around a quarter of an inch of the potato inside the skin. You can save the cooked potato for mashing potatoes or soup. Set the oven to broil and return those potato wedges to the baking sheet. Sprinkle the cheese and bacon evenly on top of those guys. Place under the broiler until the cheese starts bubbling. Remove from the oven and add the potato skins to a serving platter. Spoon a teaspoon of sour cream on each. Top with some scallions. And serve with a hot sauce of your choice, if you like that kind of a thing. So that sounds good. I'm going to see if uh, I can't figure out how to make those. What's going on this week, the week of uh, February 6th? This week's economic calendar is quiet, especially compared to last week's, which had nothing but headlines. Jobless claims remain an important um, thing to monitor when they are released, as usual, on Thursday. Investors will also be closely uh, closely watching Wednesday's 10-year note and uh, Thursday's 30-year bond auctions for the level of demand. And and the thing here is, again, are investors willing to pay a premium for these notes and bonds? Um, We'll see. Remember, this goes right back to the inverted yield curve that we've been talking about for several months now. And I don't know if it's ever going to change anytime soon. Um, Again, we've, we've lost another three basis points. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Thanks very much for always listening to this. Again, make sure you get over to Ridge Lending Group to ask uh, any questions that you have. Get your loan in process, especially get a pre-approval if you're looking to buy something in the next 60 days. It's what they do best. My name's Larry Bailey. Have a great rest of your day.